Hello, and welcome to the Beautiful Business Podcast. Beautiful Business is a community for leaders who believe there's a better way of doing business. We believe beautiful businesses are led with purpose by people who care, guided by a clear strategy, and soulfully grow. I'm your host, Ewan Sang. This episode, I'm joined by Marcus Hemsley. Marcus is the founder of the digital growth agency Fountain Partnership, winner of Google's Global Award for Growing Businesses Online. Marcus is also a founding member of the Million Tree Pledge. Launched on Earth Day in April 2021, the Million Tree Pledge is a collaborative initiative that's brought together more than 60 inspiring businesses who have made the bold commitment to plant 41 million trees in the coming years, as well as to each find another two pledges, and in doing so ensuring the initiative grows exponentially. Let's go straight in then. So Marcus, when we say the term create a fairer society, what does that mean to you? Well, we're not doing well enough, are we? I mean, I don't think many people can look at our society right now and go, yeah, looks pretty fair to me. I think we're done there. So I think there's so many areas where we can improve. And it's not to point the finger in a nasty way at previous generations. You know, they did the best they could. I mean, we're still less than 100 years away from the Second World War. The world has changed in exponential and incredible ways. but There are so many things that still are unequal, and I think we just need to be aware of those and and look at improve them. So, yeah, I can can go into specifics, but we might go down different rabbit holes. So let's just end with that. I mean, have you met anyone who said, yeah, I think we live in a really fair society where, you know, everyone starts fairly with almost equal opportunities? No one. And and, and again, just across the the kind of political spectrum, because we're kind of like shuffling around in that kind of space as well. I think think anybody who were to say that, doesn't have the head screwed on properly because you know the reality is is that the inequality of this in society uh, drives these divisions you know it it really is the 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 hammer that cracks on the fault lines of of a fractured society and when you're in a position of influence if you're a founder of a business or if you're a leader of a club or whatever it might be then again there's that that responsibility that falls on onto your shoulders to do what you can yeah, to try and create that fair society. And a question I've got for you is, obviously with all the different clients that you get to work with at Fountain and from your interactions with them, what's your views on why businesses you know, have their role to play in, in creating that fairer society? I think like, it goes back to the thing of power, right? We hold amounts of capital, we can do stuff with it, and we can make various choices. And it can be whether we decide to pay people much more than a living wage, it can be like, you know, dealing with example like the current cost of living crisis. And in fairness, most agencies are tackling this. I think Agency Collective recently had a piece, didn't they, on how to deal with cost of living. And I think it's because it isn't our staff's fault that, you know, there's a global energy shortage. That's not their problem. And energy prices have gone up, but they have to deal with those consequences. And from a board level, we can say, do we need X amount in reserves? Can we afford to pay people a bit more? How can we make this easier for them? How can we use our buying power? So, you know, something we explored a couple of months ago, although it's, it seems less important now, although we'll, we'll see with the pandemic. So the government going to phase out lateral flows. Mm. To buy a lateral flow would be sort of £2.50, but we as a business could buy them wholesale and get loads in and just give them all out for everyone. So there's lots of things we can do, and it's just sitting there and going, okay, how can we leverage our position to just make everyone's lives a bit more easier directly than we work with? And then in terms of the clients we take on, are they making the world better or worse? Yes or no? 
if they're waking them worse, then we just say no to them. We, we turned down quite a lucrative contract the other week and it made sense, you know. There's a little part of me that says, gosh, that's some zeros that it would have been nice in our bank account. But then you just can't take people on who you just don't think are ethical. I was speaking to the number four at Google. I got to meet her once and she kind of said that she wishes that, because I could tell she was quite progressive, but she wished that she could stop various people advertising on Google, but they couldn't. Like the Google has to be, it's, you know, it's a listed company. If it's a legal business, they have to let them advertise. Whereas, you know, as an agency, we can be picky and say, well, we're not going to market you. You know, we don't think this is right. We don't think this is contributing to a better society or to be honest, people's well-being. So we have that ability. And I think if enough agencies club together and start being a bit stricter with who we take on, then we can start raising the standard a bit. And we, we, are, we, we are responsible for some problems in the advertising world that are here. So we have our part to play. That's a really interesting take on And I'm glad that you kind of just added in there that little, that there's always that little voice somewhere that kind of just goes, it's quite a lot of money, you know, I'll not pay payroll for a few more months and stuff like this. But it's it's interesting. These conversations that we've been having is whilst, yes, money in the bank is, is always a nice thing to have, it's how much does that money cost you is the question we need to ask ourselves. Yes. And this is the thing, you know, with everything that you've said to me in this chat, there's this level of authenticity, which shines through like a beacon with you. And and I'm sure it does through with, with Fountain as well. And you can't put a price on that. Undermining that would cost you more than the money that you get from the deal, right? If you, if you take it from those types of organizations. And I think it's how much all that money costs is, is, is a question. And then the other part of just what, what you just said then was around the clients that you work with and getting them to raise their standards. That was the other bit which is quite exciting, I think. Yeah. As consumers are changing their behaviors, if we as business people start changing our behaviors where we have a hygiene list of, you know, types of businesses and, and perhaps even, you know, without being binary about the game, but it might be, you know, activities that those businesses undertake, let's say, because there may well be a business that isn't carbon negative or carbon neutral will be very, very difficult for them to do so. But it's like what you said, it's that progressive outlook. It's that kind of desire to create good in the world or whatever it might be, where if they don't do that, if they don't have those standards, then then we don't work with them. It's the ripple effect as well. Sometimes we turn people away, they've been quite shocked. And I don't want to be offensive to people, but I mean, I'll give you one example, which actually is more borderline, but it's fascinating. It was a cosmetic surgery company and they were shocked. They're like, oh, but oh, 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 we want to make women beautiful. And I said, well, yeah, but from our perspective, we think actually you're making women feel, you know, inadequate, but they're not good enough. And for us to write content for you, we're telling people that you're not good enough now, that you don't have an inner beauty. That you don't. It's like, it's fine. It's a difficult one because then you can say, well, why don't you not work people who do makeup or whatever? But for me, when it's extreme cosmetic surgery, and also the most important thing is like, we let the women in the business decide this, right? This didn't necessarily come from me. I didn't have a strong feeling either way. But I was a bit like, mm, that's not really our, our sort of nice bag of clients. It's not a dream client for us. But no, no. Obviously, there's four of us as founders and there's two men and two women and the women like, no, no way. But then the client or the prospect got very, very offended. I'm sorry, you know, it was, was surprised. But it's useful for them to just take a moment and think that, you know, selling breast implants, is that really a good thing for the world? All the stuff we're talking about, about, you know, Unequal society about a climate emergency. Like it feels like just taking money that just is just a, a nasty distraction. And yeah, that's just how it is. That's a really good example. And just digging through a little bit, it's quite interesting your, your, your point that you made there about 
your opinion and then uh, and perhaps not 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 having a strong opinion about it and asking the people who would have and involving those people who would have, which I think says a lot about the culture. There's a, a phrase actually from from Paul Bull, but actually from from our company, and he said it, and it was only afterwards where I thought, Do you know, what? that's actually a really sensible thing to say. And he said, look, my opinion on this isn't strong enough for it to count. And I thought, oh, that's that's actually quite a good phrase, a good, really good turn of phrase. I there are other people's opinions which would be more important than mine. And that's a quite a nice segue into the cultural part of a fountain and, and, and some of those kind of discussions that you've had. Because on your website, you say that you hire not just for skills, for attitude. And I, and, and I love that. And I think that really does say a lot about the inclusivity aspect for, for fountain. But skills can be really, really dependent on, on privilege, you know, being born and right in the town and all these sorts of things. Whereas attitudes are a lot more kind of global. So with this in mind, what kind of like recruitment policies and how do you take people on in line with the, the, the culture that you have at Fountain? What, what's your strategy there? Yeah, I mean, the strategy to actually hire people is, is pretty straightforward. I do want to try and do it through networks. So if, if we already have employees, we kind of say, look, you know anyone who'd love to work alongside, you know, and that's really good because they've worked in the past and the rest of it. Our networks always try and run network and say, do you know anyone who's fantastic in SEO or pay-per-click or conversion rate optimization? And very rarely people say yes. They then later all they might come back. Oh, you should chat to this person. They're really good. Then of course we, we use recruiters as well, which is fine. And the recruiters we use, we work with for such a long time. They they know what is a fountain fit and who the sort of right personality types are. And the backgrounds can be diverse, and it makes sense because guess what? Consumers are diverse. You know, our clients are diverse. It's fine. But it's it's a personality type. It's it sounds quite funny, but. Our co-founder, Rebecca, who deals a lot with the culture, she's been the, the main person spearheaded it. She has what she calls her sweetheart test. And what she means by that is that even though the teams are anything now, she'll still have a, just a quick coffee at the end of those. And, and if she walks out of that and goes, you know what, yeah, I'll call them a sweetheart. They're a nice, you know what I mean? Like someone who you just, you know, you get, you get the warm and fuzzies when you think about them. Like, yeah, they're just a genuinely kind sweetheart. Then they're in. If they're a bit of a dickhead, then no, and, we had an extreme of that, which is quite funny. I mean, going back to, again, none of us, there was a guy years ago hiring for a business development position. And I can't remember his exact name. I'll make it up. His name's like like Charles Smith. But in his, like, this just the person he was. He, like, created this sort of, like, you know, PDF about himself. And he had in brackets in the middle, Charles, the big cheese Smith. But it wasn't that cheese. It was that bad. It was kind of like, like, I'm the, like, you know, he was very nice for Wall Street, if that's, uh, if you know what I mean by that. Yeah. And, what made him so competitive? Like me and Rob were sitting there and he was pressing sort of the money buttons in our head. He's like, listen, right, I will leave my big agency right now and I'll bring 800 grand a year of revenue right now. If you go sign it, bish bash boss, come on, 800 grand, do you want it? Come on, what's the return on investment? My 50K salary, you love this. Come on, lads. And we're just like, you know, 800 grand would be really useful, but my goodness, we can't let you anywhere near our business. <laughs> And of course, that sort of person would be doing that with us in a year's time. So there is, again, like short-term, great, eight underground. But so, no, I mean, that's obviously that's an extreme. I think very few people would hire someone like that. But, you know, there's always those people in the middle that wear a bit of a mask, but a mask of sort of, I don't really know. Like, you you don't feel you can be honest with me and show trust and trust begets trust. So there's there's just this lack of me really understanding who you are and what you're about and whether your moral compass is in the right way. And it might not be in the right way because you've had a tough life. And I'm like, yeah, but it's a tricky one because the ripple effect of a, and we've all been in workplaces prior to setting up business with lots of us where one toxic person come in and 
you know, negativity can really spread and it, it's so, so difficult. And you know, life and business is, is, is challenging enough before you get people who don't have emotional sovereignty. I think that's the other word we use. So there's a sweetheart test, but if you don't, if you, that's not, if that's too bluffing for you, it's whether they have emotional sovereignty. It's whether when things go wrong, they throw a toddler tantrum, like my seven-year-old son still does. He's getting upset. Or they just go, okay, yes, I'm feeling negative emotions right now, but that's, that's on me, right? I'm not going to then throw all this at someone else. I'm going to go, you know what? I'm feeling rubbish right now. You know, I, I might go for a walk and I'll, I'll check out for a bit because my state of mind's not clear. I'm in a low mood. I'm probably not going to say anything productive. I might say something insulting. So I'm going to, you know, suck myself off, you know, like <laughs> go out for an early bath, you know, if you like sport. And like, yeah, so you know, shove yourself off. You're in a bad game. Just take, take a bit of time. And people that have that, that self-regulation and introspection to see that. And the other thing as well is just the ability to not then build stuff up in their heads. I think that's one of the things we talk about a lot of fountain of just like not working ourselves up. But like if you've had a bad interaction with someone, then, you know, finding a good, like wait you're in a good place to then try and resolve it rather than gossiping and telling everyone else and making this a really big emotional story. So when you next see the person, it all comes yeah. up, you know, because... We all feel our thinking, not the external world, you know, like from a scientific perspective, you know, like you can't make me feel bad, you like you can't, there's no, you can't send stress or anger germs through the zoo. It infects my brain. You can say something and I could have an emotional reaction, but then it's up to me if I embellish it and really go, oh, well, I can't believe you said that about me and tell it, tell the story 10 times, get it fine to fly and then say, I don't like you. I could just say it. Somebody came up to me then. I probably misunderstood it. He seems like a nice guy. Let's just let it go, which is what grown-ups should be doing. <laughs> it still is. And, and, and you're right. The, funnily enough, you mentioned, you mentioned Google, and that's like a whole other chat in itself, like the, yeah. the intricacies of that. But we did a talk at Google HQ in St. Giles Square, and uh, we were in the town hall building thing, and we had this entrepreneur on there, and, and he said his biggest lesson was that sometimes it's better to have a hole than an arsehole when it comes to hiring people. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, that actually does make sense. Everything that you just said makes it makes total makes total sense. And again, coming back to that that cultural part and creating a kind of a fair society and having these kind of values as well, it's almost that, that common ground, you know. And and if that's what you do, and that's like the common ground that you have, then as I say, it gives you that kind of foundation for this, you know, cohesive kind of team culture within within the organization. And I also love that. The, the, the sweetheart, I really like that. That's a really lovely one. Maybe a little bit too fluffy on my, my part. I'm trying to think what our equivalent. Yeah, yeah. Professional. Yeah. I do love it. I do love it. I'm trying to work out what our equivalent is, a disruptive. We have the other end of it, which basically no dickheads. And that's probably the, the other end of that spectrum where you've got, as you say, you've got that alarm bell kind of ringing where you think, yeah, this isn't going to go down well. No, I think, you know what, like that Wolf of Wall Street guy, I know there's, there's a mode of business. I think deep down, he was probably a sweetheart. He was a lot of, nasty conditioning about you know if you want to make yeah well you want to cut in business you've got to be cut through it's dog eat dog and it's like well this is the 1980s you know greed really wasn't good <laughs> like it really wasn't that knew what happened in 2008 <laughs> so it's it goes to show yeah it does but i think i think that comes as well from having a real clarity on what your identity is and what fountain's identity is and knowing what you know what the culture is what the values are and that's when you can make that kind of distinction that's when you can make that kind of decision and think well this guy's not going to fit yeah yeah you know his, his kind of his his methodology isn't going to fit in with ours because we've, we've got real clarity on what it is that makes 
you said fountain fit. That's what clicked in my head. You know what a fountain person is, and you've been able to articulate that to your recruiters. And I think that's, that must be one of the key building blocks. Troll there with recruiters, I won't lie. It's lots of back and forth. And no, no, this one's so it takes time. All of these things. Thanks so much, Marcus Hensley from the Fountain Partnership and the Million Tree Pledge. Such an incredible session. Thank you for joining us for this week's Beautiful Business Podcast. Beautiful Business is a community for leaders who believe there's a better way to do business. Join us next time for more interesting discussions on how businesses can bring about change, helping communities, building a fairer society and safeguarding the planet. You can also join in the discussion at www.beautifulbusiness.uk.